Now it is up for Babu's supporters to declare whether God dealt with me in that manner or he dealt with Elahi Baksh in that way, in conformity with this age-old practice of dealing with liars. According to the teachings of the Holy Quran, whoever falsely claims to be from God perishes having remained frustrated in the achievement of his designs. So is it not true that this was exactly the fate of Babu Sahib? Then on page 319 of his book, Babu records the following revelation concerning me, meaning that divine wrath shall be heaped upon him. I shall reduce him like unto a rotten bone and make him like unto carded wool. Readers themselves can ponder over who was proven to be the actual target of this revelation. Then on page 437 there is the following revelation with reference to me, that is, God will kill him and then put him into the grave. And then page 441 of the book, Asai Musa, includes Babu Sahib's following revelation about me and adds, Its fulfillment shall take place at the appointed time, God willing. The meaning of the Arabic is, God will separate the bad from the good and manifest it. In other words, he will demonstrate such a miracle of his might as will conclusively establish who is true and who is false. And we shall make this person, meaning me, like unto scattered dust. That is to say, we will destroy him. But, O Elahi Baksh, peace be unto you. God has promised grace for you, and you shall be saved from destruction. Footnote start. What kind of saved being is this, that he dies, and indeed died of the plague? O friends of Babu, tell me truthfully, was this really your wish that Babu should die in the lifetime of mine? for whose death and destruction he was so eagerly waiting. What harm did the hundreds of his revelations portending my destruction do to me? What is this strange event that he was struck by the lightning of his own revelations? Is there anyone who can reply to this? Footnote end by Hazrat Masiyamot. Now let those who can think ponder over what his end actually was. Did that destruction which Babu's revelation portend for me descend upon his own self or not? Then on the same page he writes that he received the revelation meaning, O fire, become cool and become a source of peace. I do not know which fire became cold for him. The only fire that overtook him was that of the plague, which of course did not cool down and consumed him in the span of a single day. In Lahore, hundreds contracted the plague and recovered in the end, but this so-called Mulham, the recipient of revelation, failed to recover and his untimely death forced him to leave this transitory world along with thousands of unfulfilled wishes. Now he has of course left this world and I am obligated to write this in the interest of his friends because after Babu's death I had received the following revelation, meaning that through Elahi Baksh's death, we decided to try his friends to see whether, even now, they have understood or not. It is well known that Babu Elahi Baksh had aggressively risen to oppose me and that he left no stone unturned to degrade and insult me. He had misled people by means of his book. Every day he eagerly awaited my death and destruction and used to regale his friends by reciting hundreds of such revelations. And very specifically, he had announced in his book that I would die by the plague. But what happened was that he himself died of the plague in total frustration. 
And God help me in every way, and it is clearly written in the Holy Quran that Allah has decreed, Most surely I will prevail, I and my messengers. Surah Al-Mujadallah, chapter 58, verse 22 of the Holy Quran, meaning that it is a categorical promise of God that those people who come from God triumph over those who oppose them. So what mystery lies hidden behind the fact that Babu could not succeed in his opposition to me? A huge storm of plague which had broken out in this country was an even bigger storm than the one that had arisen in the time of Musa and Pharaoh. Verily, it was immensely larger than that storm, and despite claiming to be Musa, Babu perished therein, and he whom he called Pharaoh was bestowed safety by God through his grace and benevolence. I am certain that at the time of his death he must have pronounced these words comprising the Quranic verse. I believe that there is no God but he in whom the children of Israel believe. Surah Yunus, chapter 10, verse 91 of the Holy Quran. Again, I have a question. Three classes of people are mentioned by God in Surah Al-Fatiha, which is the mother of the book. One, those upon whom God has bestowed his blessings. Two, those who incurred his displeasure. And three, those who have gone astray. Please ponder over this and kindly express your assessment of the class wherein God has included Babu Lahibaksh. If in your opinion he belongs to the divinely blessed, the onus lies on you to show whether those who belong to this blessed class ever contracted the plague, and then also establish what blessing was bestowed upon him, and that blessing should be something that the world recognizes as a proven matter, should not be like the Christian concept of atonement, that is to say, it should not be just one's own opinion. If he is deemed to be from among those who incurred the wrath of God, that is more likely to be true, because the Holy Quran and the Torah both testify that the plague symbolizes the wrath of God. Believers of the highest class and the elect of God, like prophets and siddiqin, the truthful, have never suffered from the plague. No one can prove that people belonging to this class ever contracted the plague because it is a chastisement of God which comes down to punish the disbelievers and transgressors and those who go on committing sin. The elect of God are never made to partake of it. Thus, he who considered himself to be such a beloved of God and in support of this claim quotes his own revelation in his book Asai Musa, which is as follows. Tell them if you want Allah to love you, obey me, then will Allah love you. Why would such a beloved of God become the victim of the plague? God says about the Jews. Why then does he punish you for your sins? Surah Al-Ma'idah, chapter 5, verse 19 of the Holy Quran. Of course, believers who are not sinless and are not part of the highest class and are not free from sins and frailties may suffer from the plague for the sake of being cleansed and purified, but he who comes from God like unto Musa can never suffer from the plague. A perfect believer falls under the verse. These will be removed far from it. Surah Al-Anbiya, chapter 21, verse 102 of the Holy Quran. And if you believe Munshi Lahi Baksh to be among the Dhalin, those who have gone astray, then know that this title fits him most aptly, 
because first he abandoned the truth deliberately and then he became so foul-mouthed, impertinent and inflammatory that he left no room for ever listening to reason. If anyone happened to mention my name in his presence, his first reaction was to hurl abuse at me ten or twenty times, followed by a deliberate rejection of truth. But God Almighty knows what is in each heart. The fact of the matter, therefore, is that the way God has dealt with him is an object lesson for the wise. Only my heart knows the extreme pain he had caused me. God does not humiliate a people so long as the heart of a man of God does not cry in anguish. With the fear of God Almighty in your heart, do tell me if this was indeed your wish and true desire that Elahi Baksh should die of the plague in total frustration while his opponent, about whom he had so publicly announced before thousands that he would die of the plague, be safeguarded from God from the plague and be blessed with extraordinary success from him and demonstrate hundreds of signs in his support, to the extent that Elahi Baksh's death, too, should become one such sign. Did the revelation received by Elahi Baksh, namely, meaning that God will distinguish the pious from the impious, really mean that Elahi Baksh would die of the plague, leaving many mourners behind? How harsh and bitter that day was for Munshi Abdul Haq and his friends when Babu, who was their spiritual guide, died of the plague contrary to all his claims and left them in a most painful state indeed. What is more, he left behind a house infested with plague-related substances. May God Almighty grant his companions wisdom even now so that they may recognize the truth. Then on page 294 of his book, there is another revelation of his, which is as follows. Meaning, Truth has come and falsehood has vanished. Tell your opponent, meaning this humble one, you are not from God. Leave them alone, engage for a few days in their fun and pastime, until that promised day comes, the day of death by the plague that has been promised. Holy is Allah. What kind of revelations are these and what kind of truth was this which retreated before falsehood, proving the revelation to be false? And what kind of a promise of plague was this which mistakenly recoiled upon the recipient of the revelation himself? Let some fair-minded person answer me. If these revelations were not satanic, then what were they? And if God has always saved all those whom he loves from the plague, then why was this hapless Elahi Baksh, who claimed to have received the revelation? The sum and substance of it is that after God you are the greatest, and also the revelation, Say, if you love Allah, then follow me, then will Allah love you. Deprive the benefit of this permanent practice of Allah? Why then did this heavenly chastisement, which is the usual lot of sinners and transgressors, descend upon a man who claims to be the greatest after God, and claims to be such a beloved of God that by following him one becomes the beloved of God? Has the time not yet come for fair-minded people to realize that for Babu Lahi Baksh to leave this world was such a death of frustration, a death which was caused by the plague and was against the intent of all his revelations, is a decisive fact? And if prejudiced persons are yet unable to understand this, they should remember that no one can frustrate God. He will demonstrate yet another sign. Pitiable is the condition of those who do not benefit from the hundreds of signs of God which continue to shine like the bright day, 
but persist in quoting one or two such prophecies as have either been fulfilled as far as their main point is concerned or have been half fulfilled. These are prophecies of warning and do not admit of any objection in light of the way of Allah. Is it fair to ignore some 10,000 prophecies and go on insisting upon a particular sign that is beyond their comprehension? This being the case, the faith of such people is as precarious today as it shall be tomorrow, for the manner in which God has treated me is not such as has no parallel in the case of any other prophet. There is no objection that has been raised against me that cannot also be raised against another prophet. Therefore, the condition of those who at the time of raising an objection against me fail to reflect that their objection can also be leveled against other prophets is very dangerous indeed, and the danger is that such persons may well die as atheists. Some mischievous liars assert that if signs are shown by the Mirza, so are signs shown by Musalma, the liar. In reply to them, it suffices to say, The curse of Allah be upon the liars. It must be borne in mind, with regard to the obduracy and audacity with which Babu Lahibak stood up in opposition to me and predicted that I would die of the plague and face every kind of frustration and failure, had the matter ended as he had predicted, and had I died in the lifetime of Babu Lahibaksh, one wonders with what kind of curses Lahibaksh's friends would have remembered me, and to what heights of honor and glory they would have exalted him to. Now, however, without exception, not a single one of them speaks up, and they hope for this sign of God Almighty to disappear. They know only too well that Babu had become the target of the Mubahila and my supplications. He might well have been spared for a few days more if he had adopted some measure of gentleness, but his revelations, based on the promptings of the ego, proved to be a fatal poison for him. He did not know that one acquires true converse with God only after undergoing annihilation. He alone is granted spiritual life who truly purifies himself of all selfish desires and aggrandizements and sheds all kinds of arrogance and impertinence, a kind of death overtakes him for the sake of God. For those who achieve this stage of self-effacement, converse with God is a prized reward. Everyone who claims to have attained this stage must see whether he has attained true self-effacement or whether he is still full of selfish motives. There are thousands of subtleties finer than the finest hair. Not everyone who shaves his head is a saint. Then on page 69 of his book, Asai Musa Babu Ilahi Baksh says, being a frail human, I felt afraid that because of Mirza Sahib's displeasure, I might suffer some loss. At this, I was reassured about my safety and security with this revelation. Meaning that God shall be your protector and you shall remain in peace. You will not be visited by any chastisement of God. Footnote start. It is a pity that none of his friends ponders that when God Almighty had promised to protect him and that my becoming displeased with him, would not cause him the least damage, then why did it so happen that he was caught by the plague? Where did that promised protection go? Footnote end by Hazrat Masimon. This is the revelation the Babu claims to have received, which reassured him that the curse of the opposing party, meaning my humble self, would cause no harm to him and that he would remain safe 
It seems it was this revelation that gave him the license for using foul language and abuse that kept growing until it transgressed all bounds quite like a breach in the embankment of a river that devastates the surrounding habitations. It is a great pity that hundreds of signs were fulfilled in his lifetime, but he failed to benefit from any of them. After witnessing each sign or hearing its report from someone, he invariably responded that Atham did not die within the prescribed time frame and that Ahmed Berg's son-in-law was still alive, whereas the revelation had said that the wedding of Ahmed Berg's daughter had been solemnized in heaven. Also, for his guidance, it was repeatedly recorded in different books that in any case, Deputy Atham had died and that it was irrelevant whether he had died within the time frame or after it. The important fact was that he did indeed die. Furthermore, the prophecy was conditional. In other words, his death was linked to the conditions that he would not recant, but Atham did recant. During the middle of the very debate when he was told that the reason why I had to make the prophecy was that in his book, Andrunai Bible, he had used the name Dajjal for the holy prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Then in the presence of some 60 or 70 persons, about half of whom were Christians, he, adopting an attitude of extreme fear and humility with both his hands on his ears and his tongue hanging out, announced, I have certainly not called the holy prophet the Dajjal. Later it was learned by reliable means that he continued to cry for as many as 15 months. God Almighty also informed me through his revelation that the prophecy had caused him a grave shock and he had become as if insane and his heart was impressed by the greatness of Islam and he completely ceased being insolent and abusive. Furthermore and beyond all these things he did not dare to declare on oath that he still held fast to the Christian faith even though he had been offered a cash reward of 4,000 rupees. Oath-taking is not only permissible in the Christian faith, but it is also obligatory under certain conditions, and to conceal such a thing is clearly mischievous and a sign of faithlessness. Hazrat Isa himself took an oath, as did Paul and Peter. All these facts constitute evidence of his recantation and should suffice for a fair-minded person. Furthermore, had there been no evidence in support of his recantation, for me it was sufficient that God himself had informed me of his recantation. Nevertheless, he died six months after my last public announcement relating to this matter. Thus, as this prophecy was conditional and signs of the fulfillment of the conditions precedent had become visible, it is not correct for any God-fearing person to continue raising objections by shedding all regard for decency and shame. The fact of the matter is that it is a universally accepted doctrine that prophecies presaging chastisement are conditional even if no condition is specifically mentioned therein. They can be averted because they consist of a warning of punishment for a guilty one. God who is the true master can avert any punishment he himself prescribes if someone repents and seeks forgiveness. For instance, he forgave the people of Prophet Yunus, Jonah. All prophets agree on this, as Allah the Exalted himself says. In Surah Al-Mu'min, chapter 40, verse 29 of the Holy Quran, meaning that, if this prophet is a liar, then on him will descend the chastisement of his having lied. But if he is truthful, then some of that which he threatens you with 
will surely befall you. Note that here, God uses the term some, not all. This means that some of the prophecies comprising warning which this prophet has made will certainly be fulfilled, while others will be held in abeyance. Hence, this Quranic verse proves that the fulfillment of a prophecy that gives a warning is not binding. Of course, it is understood from this verse that an impostor can never escape chastisement, for which the categorical verdict of the Holy Quran is, And if he be a liar, on him will be the sin of his lie. Surah Al-Mu'min, chapter 40, verse 29 of the Holy Quran. Hence, if there is a prophecy forecasting the chastisement of an impostor, it cannot be averted.